listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Inclusive AF podcast. I'm Katie Van Horn. And I'm Jackie Clayton. Whoop, whoop. Uh, and we are so very excited to have one of our friends along for the conversation today. Uh, Miss Tamara Raspberry is here, and we're going to get down with some, some conversations on mental health and mental health in the workplace. And so just to jump right in and, and get us going, Tamara, would love for you to introduce yourself, share a little bit about your identity story, um, who you are, and then we'll, we'll dive into the conversation topics. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Katie. And thank you so much also, Jackie, for having me on your podcast. I'm so honored to be here today. Y'all can't see my shirt, but I wore my little mental health. Depression is not a decision. It's a diagnosis shirt for y'all. Nice. So you talk about mental health. Um, my identity, basically, when someone asks me anything about my identity, I always say I'm a Black person first because no matter what else I was gonna turn out to be, I was gonna be black because my parents were black. So whether I was male, female, cis, gay, whatever, I was always gonna be a black version of that. So <laughs> I'm a black person. I am um, cisgender female um, in my 40s. Um, <laughs> Um, and, you know, born and raised in Washington, D.C. And, you know, have kids, I have a grandbaby. And my life has really consisted of, it's funny, I, I've lived on kind of two ends of the spectrum because I grew up in like kind of the nuclear two-parent middle-class household situation. But as an adult, I'm more like a poor single mother. <laughs> um, but you know so so I've seen different aspects of life and can speak to different aspects of life that people might be surprised that I actually can speak to um, but but I've had a lot of life experiences um, as you know I'm an HR practitioner and I've been doing HR for uh, over 20 years now, actually. And so that experience is also in and of itself, you know, as a Black woman, professional, you know, in these organizations, uh, another set of challenges. So um, when I talk about my identity, or I'll say like the lens that I see everything through, it's, first and foremost, as a Black American woman, female. I say female. Some people get offended by the word female. I'm not offended by it. Uh, <laughs> a Black American female. Um, and then everything else kind of falls under there. And we've known you, like, and you know, it's so funny. I, I think it's been at least five plus years as we say yeah. in the HR world. However long I've been going year. to work here. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Tamara is part of the crew that goes to work human and we all get to spend some time together once a year, uh, which, uh, you know, I think for all of us, we would love to have more time, but 
uh, understand. We talked all year. We, yeah, wow. <laughs> we, we have our communication via Twitter and LinkedIn and every other social media platform. So if you ever need to hear what's going on between all of us, uh, you can jump on Twitter and we'll let you know everything I you need to know to about the housewives. more than I talk to people like that I know, know, because I just talk to y'all like all the time. I'm like, I know y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I hear Waco, I think of Jackie. Like, yes. I'm like, I don't know anything about Waco except for uh, uh, Chip and Joanna. Think, you know who I'm talking about? Chip and Joanna. Chip and Joanna. Joanna. <laughs> no. Oh, oh the, the Waco, Waco? Ray Civilians? Yes, them and you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually one of them. Ray Civilians. Yeah. Baylor or Chip and Joe? Yeah, Baylor too. Baylor as well. That's awesome. That's great. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you so much for taking the time. We we do appreciate it. We know you're busy, and obviously, you know we're right before the hike, but uh, you all won't hear it until after the first of the year. But one of the things that we want to talk about, and it's been such a topic this year uh, because of all of the chaos of 2020, the the whole impact of mental health and mental health in the workplace and the focus that has been placed on that. And so would love to just start off with, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what are, I I know that this is something that you're passionate about. Why are you passionate about mental health? Yeah. Um, absolutely. So I have a mental health diagnosis myself of major depressive disorder and anxiety. So this has been my life for probably more than half my life, but I didn't actually have the diagnosis until a few years ago. So it was always just, this is just how I am. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. This is just like, I would get in these low, low moments or I would, you know, have these certain thoughts and stuff. And it's just how I am, you know? And it wasn't until I got to a extremely low moment where I actually had to go to the hospital where I was diagnosed. And from then on, you know, I've been having therapy and medication and things of that nature. And I started to see that, you know, sometimes like you don't really pay attention to stuff until it hits you. And then it's like, oh, okay. So of course I was always aware of like mental health. I studied it in school. I used to want to be a psychologist. So, you know, I was always these things. Um, interested in how the mind works, which is why I watch, you know, serial killer stuff. I'm always interested in how the mind works, but I start because I'm an HR person, I started really thinking about, okay, this is how this impacts me as a person having to still make a living going to work. You know, there's been times where I couldn't go to work. There's been time, you know what I'm saying? So, but, and I know I'm not the only one. And I realized it wasn't a comfortable conversation. It wasn't a conversation that people wanted to have. You know, people would say things like, you know, you could lose your job if people know that you live with depression or you could, you know, all these things or you shouldn't tell people or like when you fill out the uh, the EEO, should you say you have a, a disability or not? And things, of, you know, all of those type of things. And so it's like, well, I got it because it wasn't something that I really talked to people about either, but also why you know what I'm saying like I feel like it should be your choice but it shouldn't be out of fear that you you know don't have these conversations or you know things happen to you in life or things happen to you at work and 
they can't be addressed because you're like, well, if I let them know this, then that I'm not going to be able to get that promotion. Or if I let them know, you know, things like that. So it became really important to me to not only open up the conversation about mental health and mental illness in general, but also how it impacts us in the workplace, because, you know, that's the arena that I work in, right? The workplace, HR, employee engagement, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we can't forget that employees are people. Employees are not non-people. They do not have things that people don't have. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times I hear conversations and people are talking about employees, like they're a different breed of, they're not quite humans and they're not quite cats and dogs, but they're like some other thing that we treat, you know? And so it's like, well, no, all the things that human beings deal with, employees deal with. Cause guess what, you know, spoiler alert, that's what they are. So, you know, it's important to me for us to keep having these conversations and to really get in front of, you know, my fellow HR practitioners, uh, leaders, employers, and, and share ways that they can make these conversations comfortable in their workplaces. Because, you know, people rarely have an issue saying, you know, I can't come to work because I broke my leg. But it's like, I can't come to work because I'm having a breakdown. You don't want to say it. And again, you shouldn't have to, but it shouldn't be out of fear. It shouldn't be out of, I might lose my job if I say this. Or I might not get XYZ opportunity if I say this, you know, so that's, that's where I'm coming from with it. It's horrible. I'm glad that you brought that up. It, it is horrible to think that, you know, that you, we always talk about bringing, bringing your full self to work. And, it, and, and that's part of it. I think 2020 is, is, has been um, brought a lot of these things to light because if people were like, just hanging on and then all of this change and all of the unknown drives people, especially if you have anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was like, you know, we talked a little bit earlier, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and every once in a while I'll start feeling normal. And then all of a sudden it's like, you remember <laughs> worried like, Oh, I didn't make Christmas cookies. Let me go to the grocery store. And it's like, you know, and um, all the things with, with, I think with George Floyd too, and all of the racial trauma and bringing those things back and understanding that we have to bring that to light too, you know, racial trauma, PTSD around those areas. There's, there's oh my just goodness, a yes. lot. Okay, so 2020, I mean, you could not have written a story as crazy as everything that went on with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor during a freaking pandemic. No. Like you could, if you could have set some writers down and say, write a crazy story. They wouldn't have came up with it. Like all of that coming together at the same time. And what was so, so wild to me was the whole, you know, I didn't know it was like this for you Blacks. I didn't know that you had such a horrible life in America. Like, I was just like, where have y'all been? My favorite is, I'm so sorry. Right, like, 
But you haven't been paying attention to what's been going on. You haven't like, been paying a bit life. of attention. Like, huh? I just, I just didn't know it was this bad. We're gonna fix it. Yeah. Well, let's fix it. <laughs> what we doing? Like, let's start. Like, let's write some stuff down and get to moving. Like, I'm tired of like, we're gonna have, it's like, it's like these companies are like the government. They want to have a task force for everything. We're going to have a task force. We're going to have a group. We're going to have a committee. Just fix shit. <laughs> 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 just, just bring stop committee. talking. Yeah, I think that's been the one that we've talked about this a little bit. And we've talked about, you know, CEOs who either decided to make a statement or not make a statement. But more of the, okay, that's cool. Make a statement. But what actions, what are you doing? What are you actually right. doing to change doing things? That. What are you doing to like make it better? And I think that's a piece that, you know, circling back to mental health, it's also that, you know, that there's so many unknowns and, and coming to work and feeling like, I don't know what's going on outside of these four walls, even though you're at home, but you know, what's going on out in the world, but also like, how does that then impact me coming to work? If I do have, you know, anxiety, do have any type of, mm-hmm. um, things that, you know, come up from a, a mental health perspective and, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of double whammy of, or triple quadruple, whatever type, you know, however many levels you're dealing with on a daily basis. And how can you actually function as a human back to, you know, that our employees are actually humans. How can right. you do that in the right way? And, and that's the other part that I think is so, it kind of does fall by the wayside that yes, these are humans that we're talking about. Because let me tell you, my anxiety was on a thousand about even going outside, okay? So I was like, y'all y'all can talk about opening the office back up if y'all want to. T-Raz ain't going to be up in there, okay? <laughs> I, just, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I don't even go outside, okay? Mm-hmm. My balcony was as far as I'm going. So it was like, it took me a long time to even start going to the grocery store, okay? And that's still like, I'm not in these streets like that. So you're talking about, and I know I'm not the only one, right? So I was like, I know I don't want to go traveling to the office. Other people don't want to go. And, you know, there were some companies that were like, well, y'all got to come back. You know, thankfully, mm-hmm. my company is still letting us work remotely. But I know people who had to go back into the office to work in the office not even like they work in a warehouse or something it's like y'all sitting at the desk that y'all could have been sitting at at home like you know that's another story but there's a lot that comes with that like that's a very real for the people like you know we can't help it if you're afraid yes i'm afraid to catch covid and die yes yes i am like i mean i feel like Mm -hmm. that's a very real thing that people should have the right to be and you know, we've seen the the numbers on how anxiety and depression have increased dramatically during COVID, right? So even if you weren't even dealing with them before, even if you didn't even understand, like, I don't even understand why people get depressed. That's so dumb. Now you in here like, hey, I'm depressed. Like, people are getting it now. So that's one of the things that I felt has almost been like a, a slight silver lining that as far as the mental health conversation, because more people are experiencing, experiencing it, which is not necessarily a good thing, but it's giving more understanding to them for the people who were experiencing it already. 
it's like, oh, this is what this feels like. This is what, you know, this is what my friend was talking about when she was saying she had anxiety or this is what, you know, my cousin was talking about when they were telling me about their depression. Like, I get it now. Sometimes people have to feel it to get it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot more people are getting it now because they're feeling it. So it's helping us to have more of the conversations. And even on a grander scale, you're seeing more people talk about how, you know, there needs to be more mental health resources and communities and things like that, you know. So it starts from these small, these one-on-one conversations to these larger, like, workplace conversations to these policy conversations to, you know, all of it branches out. And so that's why we really can't stop talking about it, because when you stop talking about it, then people forget. People think it's not important or people uh, go back to, well, it doesn't impact me, you know, so so why do I need to worry about it? When in reality, it impacts everybody, whether you're living with it or you know somebody who's living with it or you work with somebody who's living with it. And honestly, you you never know when it's gonna happen. You could be lolly la, you know, tiptoeing through the tulips and have some type of trauma happen to you, you know, and next thing you know, you're going through a deep cycle of depression or it, like it's not you can never say because I don't feel this now I never will feel it or because I don't experience it now I never will experience it so to me that's another piece of, of the education is that getting people more aware of what it can look like what it can feel like the resources you have if you find yourself in a situation so that if you do you're not completely blindsided like oh my goodness I don't know what to do it's like oh, okay this you know based on what I've heard and read in open conversations we're having in the country it seems like I'm having symptoms of you know depression or symptoms of anxiety let me talk to my doctor about it or let me da 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 you know what I'm saying let me see if I can find a therapist instead of just sitting at home thinking you know something's wrong with me but I don't know what it is We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do. So you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. I was going to ask you about those resources because I, similarly to people talking about diversity but not saying what they're going to do, you see people are like, oh, you know, sorry about the COVID, everybody stay at home but they don't have a plan. We, we know that COVID affects people's mental health. They've yes. done the study that people who have had COVID um, at various levels have mental health issues that they think stemmed from having this virus. Mm-hmm. And they've also said that, you know, we know people have the anxiety and people still have to work, especially right. people who are already marginalized. Like they don't right. have a point. And yes. I- listening I went to Sonic and I heard the lady at Sonic was like well you know I have a cold but you know I never miss work and I was like 
I swear to God, if I COVID <laughs> over this freaking bacon and cheese and egg ricotta, okay, man, so I'm gonna need you to start missing work. <laughs> this is my nightmare. Like, what can companies do so that it doesn't come too late? You know, what do you think is a good way of dealing with it proactively? Uh, in regards to mental health? Yeah. Or um, proactively, I think uh, establishing it in your workplace as like a conversation. So say, for example, you know, if your workplace has like lunch and learns or um, uh, CEO Q&As or some type of thing where you usually come together and talk, like make one of those conversations be about mental health, you know, like when you send out reminders, say if you have a staff newsletter or something like that, include information about mental health in there, include articles. If you have an EAP, um, Employee Assistance Program for the Uninitiated, um, <laughs> you know, make sure you're always sharing how to access it. Like I send out the information for the EAP multiple times throughout the year, even though it's easily accessible to staff, but I always want to remind them, you know, it's here. If you're going through something, if you need someone to talk to, if you, you know what I'm saying? I just always want it to be top of mind that it is available. So just kind of always, you know, and then also leading by example. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with your, you being a manager or a director or business owner or something and saying, hey, I need to set some boundaries for myself, right? I need to step back. Because even when we talk about burnout and we talk about people who feel like, you know, because of technology, they always have to be available or always have to be on, that impacts your mental health as well, right? So, you know, lead by example as a as an owner or a supervisor or whatever, like I, that's not the expectation for you to always be on, you know, take a break when you need to. I tell my people all the time, take a break when you need to, the work will be there. Because you can best believe I'm going to take a break if I need to. And I tell my colleagues, take a break if you need to. It's not that deep. Your sanity and your well-being is way more important than getting this letter typed by 5 p.m. Like, it just is. You know, there was a... Um, <laughs> It's, it's low-key inappropriate now because of COVID, but there used to be a meme where it, it would be like, but did anybody die though? Like, right. it's, like, I always think about that when it comes to work stuff. It's like, oh, okay, they didn't get it, get that report to you by 3 p.m., but did anybody die though? Like, <laughs> it's like, you're going to be all right. You'll get it at four. You might get it at 9 a.m., but, you know, could be a lot worse. Mm-hmm could be a whole ass lot worse and so you know I always believe in also like checking in so like and this is one of the things that I've been telling people this year that is hard to do when you haven't already been doing it so now you know you see a lot of people like asking well, how do we check in with our employees now because of COVID and we're working remotely da, 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 da. but I've never talked to them before like it's like it's like well shame on you you've never talked to them before they probably don't want to hear from you now but you know so it's like 
that cultivating that culture of communication pre-crisis, right? So when a person does have an individual crisis or if it's a large crisis like we're all going through right now, that communication is already there. So if you're my supervisor, I can be like, you know what, Jackie, this has not been a good week for me, man. Like, I know I was supposed to have that deadline, you know, by Friday and I've been working on it, but this just been a really tough week for me. And, you know, could we, you know, switch some things around and not feeling like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, they're going to think badly of me. They're going to think I'm not a good worker. That's why I'm always like, you always check in and not just about performance, about the person, you know? So when I talk to people, I don't just say, you know, where are you at with that project? I'm like, how you feeling? How you doing? You know, now that we've been having the, um, the working remotely and everything like that, I have one of my uh, people who reports to me who's away from family. Like she's not from this area. So I'm like, do you have someone you could talk to? Do you have people you could, you know, reach out to if you feel too isolated? Like, I know you have a cat, but like sometimes you might want to talk to a person. Like, you know, I'm like, you know, what's your plan? So that I know that she's all right over there in her apartment, you know, not being able to go to work and things like that. So, and I don't have nothing to do with, okay, you need to give me this assignment by the 16th. That's you as a human being, right? Those are the kind of conversations that people need to be having in the workplace so that when things come up, it's not, oh my goodness, what do I do? Or, oh my goodness, how am I going to handle this? Or, oh my goodness. It's, I know this person as a person. And yes, there are some companies that are so large, right? So you always hear like, we have 5,000 people. How can we do it? But you have teams. You have smaller teams. Somebody reports to somebody. It's not that you as the CEO of a 5,000 person company has to have an individual conversation with every employee, but their supervisor their team manager, whoever their, their group is, they should be able to have someone that's checking on them as a human being. Yeah, I, and that to me is how you make it so that, you know, it's open conversation. It's not hard to, you know, when, when you're going through something, even if you don't want to say exactly what it is. Like, I may not want to say, you know, my depression is really hitting me hard this week, but I can at least say, look, I'm not going to be able to make that deadline, you know, and you're not like, well, look, this is your first strike. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, can we lead with empathy, people, please? Build on grace. Yeah. You, exactly. you, mentioned, you mentioned something earlier about trauma, you know, that the trauma can kind of trigger a reaction and can trigger, um, kind of these things to come to the surface. And I also think there's been such a, there's been so many people, you know, you're, we are seeing the numbers increase of diagnosis of mental challenges. I just showed y'all my whole, under, my bad. I was trying to close the curtain. It looked like I had a little halo. You and do I know have I'm that. angelic, but you know, <laughs> I was trying to. Um, you know, this has kind of been below the surface for some folks and the trauma of this year be it, you know, the, uh, you know, COVID-19, be it all of the trauma with all of the murders that have been kind of in our face, all of these things. I think so many people have been diagnosed because it's been more of a, 
oh, wow, now I'm sitting here at home by myself having to actually figure this out. Right. Whereas before I can just make having myself to busy. acknowledge these feelings. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so, you know, I think one of the ones that, that recently, and you actually posted about this, that I think was really extraordinary just because the transparency was so awesome. And it is, you know, one of those things that we, we are asking, hey, be more transparent about these things, be more transparent about what we should do is, uh, you know, Matt Cooper, Matthew C Cooper, who is the co-founder of Earn Up. He just posted a letter, kind of an open letter to everyone about the fact that he was stepping down as CEO of Earn Up because of his uh, mental well-being and, and making sure that he's taking care of himself. And so, you know, would love, I thought what he wrote was great. Would love, you know, both of your thoughts on kind of what he wrote and, and how he was so transparent. I thought that was amazing. Um, well, I, I kind of have dual thoughts about it, but first and foremost, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was excellent that he was able to share that this is what I'm doing and this is why, because again, it's a very important conversation, right? It's very important for people to understand that people are dealing with this. Like part of what he said was he's been dealing with different types of mental health challenges for years and years and years. You know, people can be thoroughly successful. And that's one of the things that people forget. You can be high key successful and be living with any number of mental illnesses or other uh, mental health challenges. So it's not a matter of, oh, if this person is able to do this, they must you know, not have any issues. It's like, no, mm -hmm. a lot of us got issues. Um, so I thought it was important you know, that he put that out there. I thought it was you know, definitely key that he took the stand for his own mental well-being and said, look, I can't do this right now for my own self, right? Like, cause ain't nobody gonna watch out for your mental health, but just, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't do it, who gonna do it? You know, you could get help, you could get doctors and therapists, and everything, but you have to be the one to actually say, hey, I gotta put my mental health first, you know, before anything else. So that to me was so applause worthy. Um, but then of course, what also stood out to me was, okay, this is great, but I'm also thinking about it, it, it still comes not to, it's not anything against him. It's just an observation in general that it's being able to do that is a privilege, right? So there's a lot of people who can't do that, who can't just say, you know, I can't deal right now because of my mental health. And so I'm going to quit my job, whether it's a CEO, an admin assistant, a janitor, a program director, like, you know what I'm saying? There's just a lot of people who can't do that or feel like they can't do that. Let me tell you the whole process for trying to apply for SSI is some BS, okay? So it's like, <laughs> it's like, you're like, I can't work, but I can't not work. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that stood out to me as well. It's like, you know, what a blessing it is to be able to have that <laughs> ability mm -hmm. to just say, I'm gonna step down from my work, y'all, because I need to take care of my mental health. 
Um, I would so love to do that. Wouldn't anybody? Um, but well, yeah, but, I, but I did think ultimately it was great that he did it and it was great that he shared it because it shows other people, you know, an example of putting yourself first, putting your own well-being first and your own health first. And that's what you really have to do. You know, it, it's what it's my mantra is what I tell people all the time put yourself first, like, like don't work yourself to death. If you don't feel up to it, you know, whether it's physical health or mental health, I tell people the same thing all the time with physical health. If you feel sick, don't go to work. Like, obviously there's a level of privilege that comes with that as well. But I'm talking about like in my, like my job, my office, my colleagues, if you feel sick, don't come to work. And if you own sick leave, don't work. Like, there's no point in having sick leave and you still sitting at home working. You're supposed to be resting. You're supposed to be recuperating, getting your situation together so you can come back to work healthy and strong. Not, oh, I'm just not in the office, but I'm still focusing all my energy on work. That's not sick leave to me. That's work from home. And that's not the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Sick leave is I'm sick, leave me alone. That's right. Sick, <laughs> leave me alone. I like it. So that that's how that should work so i'm always like if you don't you know and that could be physical or mental it could be physical it could be used you're physically sick you have a head cold you got sinus infection or it could be i need a mental health day and i need a mental health day is just as important as i have a sinus infection and leave me alone for both away status on the slack auto replies on the email like be good this one, one paid leave is for the one I had with my boss is I would call in sick and tired. Yeah. I'm sick and tired. I just need a day off. You know, like I, I just need a minute. Yeah. For my mental well-being, I need to, I wasn't calling in sick. I was calling in sick and tired. And I honestly think everyone should do that at some point, just regardless of what level you are, just take a day where it's like, to be honest, take it before you need it, you know? Take a day to be like, I'm just going to take a breather. I'm not going to reply to no emails. I'm just going to chill, you know, play with my cat or whatever. No innuendo. Like, <laughs> and take a breather, you know, before you need it. Before, okay, before you cut somebody out is was real, because that's real too, okay? These people will try you. Y'all know, y'all work in HR. They will yeah. try they will try you and yeah. it's like yo i'm trying to keep my zen but y'all tried me on these benefits so it's like <laughs> sometimes you, you just to gotta down that's the thing that stood out after i read the article and i had a good hour the first thing that came to me after the initial thought was i wonder what the company culture is like at that organization and you had an opportunity, you have all of these, I'm not blaming, but it's like you, if you have it, it's so stigmatized that even somebody who's suffering couldn't set up a culture that was open and came out when it was too late. And I think it's a cautionary tale for others to mm -hmm. set up that environment like you were talking about, especially if you have an opportunity and you're a co-founder and you know that that's going to be a struggle for you. If you can be open and that just becomes part of the culture, maybe you don't have to step down because we know also from being in HR, 
change like this, when your leader steps down, it throws everybody They'll off throw everything for away. like yeah. three months. People are like, I wonder if I have a mental health issue, right? Like maybe this isn't a normal environment and people- Right, like, right, right. Like what's so going on? Insecure. And maybe it's not, but it's like before you step down and, and have your letter, put some things in place so it doesn't happen to anybody else or, or at least that, you know, I guess he said he, in the article he's going to be a part-time advisor, but I would love to, for other people to think about that, especially with startup life. I've worked in many startups, and, and, it's, and it's especially tough because you're all you have, you know? And that's, that's how I took it, in that not necessarily that the culture wasn't supportive, but that he was making the decision that was right for him. Because at some point, like, even if your culture is supportive, you might feel yourself like they're not pushing me out or, you know, I don't feel like I have to leave, but I do feel like I have to leave. Like for, cause there's sometimes when you just are not in a place where you want to have to think about work at all. Mm -hmm. So there's one place where you could be like, it's helpful for you to think about work less, but then sometimes you need to not think about it at all. And I, I took it from the perspective of, okay, he reached a point where I just can't be thinking about work like that right now. Like I really have to focus on my mental and, and I can see that I get that, you know what I'm saying? So I could relate to that where it's like, even if you're working less sometimes it's still work. Right. So we see that now with the remote work, it's like, okay, we're working from home, but we're still working. I'm not any less stressed out. The only thing different is the commute. Like, the <laughs> like it's the same type of feeling. So for me, it's like, if I needed to take a break right now, I wouldn't feel like, oh, I don't really need to take a break because I'm home instead of in the office. It's I'm still working all the time. And I think that only you know what will work best for you. And there may come a time in the future where, you know, he wants to go back or he can go back part-time or whatever, you know, and I'm sure his company will work, you know, with him or whatever. But I think the most important thing always is to take the step that's right for you. But like you said, Jackie, you know, hopefully there were things set up in place already so it doesn't throw the company in a tailspin and have all of the other employees like oh my god what, what are we gonna do what's gonna happen um you know but just speaking to the mental health aspect of it you know sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do for you yeah. first and foremost and you know you wish everybody else well yeah, <laughs> yeah. i wish y'all well i can't do this today no more right now <laughs> Can't do it. Not 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 here for it. Y'all don't want to see me on the year. news. I can say it. I'm calling in black today, this year. That's valid. And I was like, I can't do this. No, nothing happened directly to me. But I'm feeling But yes, yeah, it did because they all my distant cousins. That's right. And when you're working in the, you know, diversity space, you are very aware of your blackness every day. And so when you're like, I think there was one episode of our podcast where I was like, why do they hate us? 
it was just one of those days where I had to sit back and I was like, that was why it wasn't even a sick and tired. It's like, I need to get back to this place, to my place to be able to function mm-hmm. and where I'm not angry. Cause that, that, that can affect you too. It's beyond, it's a different feeling. It wasn't yeah. anxiety. It wasn't depression. It was, I'm going to set something on fire. It was anger. It was yes. anger. anger. It was y'all, Mickey Valid. expect Valid us anger. to sit in these gish darn Zoom meetings acting right. like our brethren and sistren aren't being killed in the streets because y'all want to talk about stuff that y'all been talking about for right. six months and ain't nobody still did nothing. Like right. it was anger and there's a level of, you know, Already as black folks, you have the, you can't show your full expressions at work, right? right? You can't be a full person at work. You damn sure can't be angry at work for nothing. We don't get the, the benefit of tears at work. We don't get the benefit of yelling and all of that stuff at work, yeah. right? So now, you know, that's the work stuff. You bringing all this other stuff on, piling on. And, you know, we just watch the same stuff. Y'all just watch her, the same stuff. But then, you know, everybody's talking about, should we make a comment? Should we make a statement? Should we do this? Should we do that? And then we want to go and sit and have staff meetings and act like, you know, er everything is all the same. Where, like you said, I want to, like, blow some shit up. Like, I want to, (laughs) like, I'm looking at you in your little box on the Zoom. And I want to slap you. Yeah. And I, like, <laughs> I can't even deal you're with saying you. ignorant stuff. Yeah. And right. it was so, I saw so many of my peers like making comments on Facebook and things where they're like, I'm just so angry, but you can't express it. You can't show it. Like nobody deals, especially when you look at the people who are like the only black person at their job and stuff like that. And then think about you're the only black person at your job in your HR. My guy, that's a setup for <laughs> that's a setup for alcoholism. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. So I was cool. like, it 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 was definitely a struggle earlier this year with with my uh, black colleagues, you know, because sometimes you have those those conversations offline, those you know, and everybody's like, what you think about this? What you think about mm-hmm. this? What what you think about this? And it's like. They don't, they don't get it. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. No. And it's like, you can't make someone understand your experience you can't you can't make someone feel your lived experience you just it's just not possible all they can do is try to listen for understanding and try to be empathetic and try to make better choices down the line in decisions that they make right but it's never going to be what I know exactly how you feel, Tamara. I know exactly how you feel, Jackie. I know exactly, even Katie, you have experiences that we haven't had. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly how, you know, you, you can't know exactly how we feel, but right. you can listen for understanding and you can be empathetic and you could, you know, 
share when you hear someone else make an ignorant comment, call them on it and things like that, right? So this, yeah, this, this year has been a wild year, a wild year of, of sudden understanding of systemic racism. It has been nuts. I will tell you that <laughs> Facebook group and I'll put it in the notes, the Facebook group for Black Human Resource Professionals was a lifesaver this year of people. I know that they weren't having these conversations at the SHRM meetings or in LinkedIn groups where literally people were saying, they just asked me for this, 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 or right. they just said they wanted to promote somebody and I know it's wrong, or I'm about to cast somebody out there's been a couple times where it's like, I don't even know how to respond or I just got written up for this and people trying to support each other because of that aspect where you do, you do try to stay, you know, you don't want to come off as being angry, but then I was on a panel the other day when somebody asked that same question. I said, what do I have to be happy for? P.S. If you're worried about me being angry, why don't you do something to make me happy? Do something to make me not angry. Okay. What? What? <laughs> what to be happy for that I'm ungrateful for right now? What is the thing? That is the thing. Oh my goodness! I was asked, and I want to say earlier this year, but the dates run together. I believe it was earlier this year. <laughs> I did a presentation at my job about um, black women in the workplace right? I was asked to do this. I mean, you only got to ask me once, right? So I was like, say less. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so I did this whole nice presentation, you know, about these types of things where it's like, you know, we get cut off or we don't get the same opportunities. Our voice is not heard and all these types of things. And this, it's like, because then you turn around a week later, two weeks later, and people who are in the presentation, right, are doing the same type of stuff I just told y'all was problematic. <laughs> okay, so, and so it's the constant always having to, you know, you, you come up with, do I always have to be on the defensive? But then it's, why are you so defensive? Uh, you know what I'm saying? You <laughs> always are. have to be the one to teach, but like, why are you not teaching? Like, <laughs> it's like, which is it? It's like, it's always something, you know? I'm always having to tell you when, as the kids say, you got me effed up, but in a yeah. professional manner, right? Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> in a professional manner, like, you got me effed up. Mm -hmm. um, because this is this. But I always tell people, call it out, right? Because if you don't call it out, they're going to keep doing it and think it was right. Now, they might still do it, but they can never say they didn't know it was wrong again because yeah. you called it out. So now if I say this was inappropriate, this was disrespectful, this was this, and you do it again, now I know where you're coming from for sure because I can't give you the benefit of the doubt that you didn't know because I called you out on it the first time. So... That's why I always encourage people, you know, we talk a lot about microaggressions and things like that. Call them out in the moment, you know, or if it's a meeting where you don't want to call somebody out in front of people, 
call them out after the meeting. But you know what I'm saying? It's got to be close because otherwise they're going to think it's cool. And you can't be mad at them for thinking it's cool if nobody told them it wasn't, you know? So I will always be like, mm, I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And you know, you could take it or run with it. You know, it, it's funny to me that there, that there seems to always be this, this, I, I don't, I know I'm not the only one who deals with some of this stuff. Cause like you said, Jackie, in the, in the group, you'll see, you'll post one thing and it'll be like, oh my goodness. Like everybody is like me too, me too, me too, me too, me too. And it's like, dang, I'm sad that it's so many of us, but I'm glad that I'm not the only one that type of thing, um, where it's like, there's never the apology, right? There's never the, oh, I was wrong, my mistake, this, that, the other. It's always just like, either sorry you feel that way or not, you know what I'm saying? It's always just like, like, you're the one, you have to take it on as the black person. And I, like I said earlier, I see through the lens of a black person. So I don't consider myself to be like BIPOC or person of color or any of that other, I'm black. So <laughs> I always see everything through that. So as the black person, you're always the one who's expected to, you know, fix the issue or ignore the issue or pretend like the issue didn't happen when you weren't the problem so right. if i tell you i feel like you came at me in a way that was uh disrespectful and then you tell me oh my feelings are hurt now because you called me disrespectful my feelings was hurt when you disrespected me so what we got like <laughs> i'm like where we at and because i'm not going to apologize for telling you that you treated me wrong you know what I'm saying I'm like oh I'm sorry I made you feel bad for treating me wrong who I look like Oliver no it's not no sir don't give me no more like I don't want it I'm not gonna apologize for telling you that you mistreated me because me telling you that made you feel bad sound like a clown Right, I can't. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. Well, so here's the thing. I think though that that is that's been the mantra of so many white people this year. It's been, oh my goodness, you're making me feel badly because I'm having, actually having to face some of this stuff, versus I feel badly because it's happening right. and it's wrong. And you know, and how do you switch that lens for folks to? we don't want to talk about you. This isn't about you. And, and I think that's the piece that as I am having conversations as a white person, it is the, are you white Katie? I am. Oh, wow. <laughs> a lovely shade of alabaster. Yes. <laughs> Except for in the summer, I, I'm a little lighting. bit more brown, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I think this is part of it is that, you know, there is that white people had to face a lot of things this year that they maybe knew what's happening and tried to ignore it. I will go with some folks were, were willfully ignorant. <laughs> we'll go with, um, 
but it is that you're making me feel badly. This, this doesn't feel good to be thinking about this stuff. And you know, so many of my clients that I work with, that's, that's the, the piece that I have to like help them with, or kind of walk them through is you're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel badly, but it's not about you. And you need to like, just work through that on your own and, and move past that and circle back to what actually needs to change here. And what do we need to do to be better? So no, I thank you for sharing. So uh, one last question, this is how we kind of end all of our, our episodes for our listeners. What is one thing, what's the one takeaway that you want to make sure people heard you say, or that you want to say now for them to, you know, kind of take from this episode? Not that there weren't a million things that they are going to take from this, but like, (laughs) what's the one you want to reinforce? (laughs) Um, What I would like to reinforce is to take care of yourself, take care of your mental, well, from two standpoints. So from an individual standpoint, don't be afraid to take care of yourself, right? Don't be afraid to take breaks when you need to. If you're having a mental health challenge, reach out, reach out to a therapist, to a counselor, to a friend, somebody, you know what I'm saying? There's resources out there. There's, uh, there's Facebook groups even, there's support groups. There's all kinds of resources out there. Um, you're not alone. Basically, you're not alone. And from an employer standpoint, you know, create an environment that makes people not afraid to address their mental health. Create an environment that supports the mental well-being of your people. Because you're nothing without your people. Your business, whatever it is, operates not a thing without people in there to do it. And so you got to remember to encourage people to take care of their mental health and you need to lead by example and create a workplace that encourages that. Awesome. Thank you. Jackie, what's your one takeaway? I think my one takeaway was another thing that Tamara said was just about constantly reminding people of resources and make it accessible so that they have the information before it's a crisis. So as HR, you can help proactively by making sure that the resources are there and that people know how to access them when Mm -hmm. they're suffering. Make sure you do that. And if your company isn't doing that, ask for it in advance. We don't have to. It's great if sometimes companies, HR doesn't do it. So if you're listening, you're not in HR, you do it. Mm -hmm. Find out and you can help your peers that way. Awesome. And I would say mine is more kind of the we need to destigmatize the whole idea of mental well-being and mental health being something we shouldn't talk about. So, you know, kind of to mirror but with what both of you said, we need to be talking about these things. And, you know, the, the fact that you had a CEO of a tech company come out and say, I'm stepping back because of this. Um, I, I think it is another step in the right direction because it needs to be conversations that to say, hey, yeah, I go to a therapist. I, I talk to my therapist every other week. That should be a good, good for you. That's right. how you're handling whatever you might have going on. Right. Not, ooh, you do? What's wrong with you? Yeah, what, <laughs> so what's, what's the story there? Why do you have to talk to a therapist? And I think that's a piece that so many of us, especially right now are dealing with a lot of different things coming at us all the time. So get whatever help you need. And we will definitely share some resources on the show notes. So uh, please, you know, 
we'll give you some links to teletherapy, other things along those lines. So Tamara, thank you. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Uh, We really appreciate you taking the time and and sharing this conversation. We know our listeners will will love to hear it as well. So thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you in 2021, my friend. All right. right. Have a good day. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.